You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Swing and a drive. Right field and deep. Back goes Aquino. It's got a chance. Gone. Get out the tape measure, long gone. Fly the W! Cubs fans, it's time to fly the W with Dustin Rhodes and Paul Crawley-Jean. You are listening to the Fly the W 670 podcast. This is season two, episode 26 Rocking the Rangers. Don't forget to listen, download, review. Most importantly, subscribe to our podcast. Follow us on the socials, Fly the W670 on Twitter, Instagram, and Fly the W on Facebook, or email us, Fly the W670 at gmail.com. Crowley, uh, happy Monday, and uh, let's talk about the uh, Cubs winning a series over Wrigley Field. Yeah, it was, a, it was a fun weekend, man. I'll tell you that much. You know, I know it all didn't end the way you want, but. Win series, and you're going to win the division. That's about as simple as it goes. And, uh, you know, we had the Justin Steele party on Thursday, which was an absolute blast. Um, Justin's a great kid. Got a chance to interview him, meet his family, great people. Uh, I was at the game on Friday, um, and so that was a lot of fun. And so this was the first interleague series of the season. Remember, all 30 teams are going to play for the first time ever this season. So you're going to have a lot of these interleague matchups and – like I said, I was at the game Friday, but Stroman made his second start. That was his 200th career start, and let me tell you, he did not disappoint. From the moment he comes out from underneath that bullpen, he's kind of getting the crowd you know, amped up. He, he's just a lot of fun. And uh, he went six innings pitch. He gave up only two hits, three runs, six Ks. Never in really too much trouble other than the six when he, uh, when he hit jo- uh, Josh Smith with a pitch. Uh, he got Marcus Simeon to ground out. Smith advanced a second. Seager walked. Uh, then he got Nathaniel Lowe to strike out, walked Adolis Garcia to load the bases before Josh Jung grounded out to end the threat. But other than that, I mean, he just seemed in command the entire game. And uh, I think this is what – I don't know why some some free agents struggle their first year in Chicago. I, I can't say if it was because of the lockout. I know he didn't like that last year. But I would just say that it was absolutely just so much fun watching him pitch, so much energy. Uh, whenever someone makes a good defensive play or anything, he's just very animated out there, and it's a lot of fun. Yeah, he he was he was a lot of fun to watch. Uh, I, I had a mix of the uh, the game on Apple Plus, and then also listening to uh, Pat and Ron on six seventy the score. Good uh, good mix. Got coverage from both. He was he was really really good. And I think it's an interesting comment you made, Crawley, about um, maybe some of the pressure, some of COVID, um, maybe that had an effect on on him and he's kind of settling in, if you will, and being more comfortable being, you know, and I think he likes the fact that he's the ace, right? I think he likes the fact that he's first in the rotation and I think he thrives off of that. 
Yeah, and, and and what you really saw on Friday was a lot of strikeouts. Uh, you saw some strikeouts and a ton of groundouts, right? And and that's when you know Stroman's on. In this game, he had eight groundouts and six Ks. Only the two hits and then one line out to center were the only balls to make it out of the infield. So that just shows you, you know, you combine that with this defense, and that's what you're going to get. So per Elias, Stroman is the first Cubs starting pitcher with consecutive outings of six-plus shutout innings to begin the season since Mike Bilecki in 1991. Fourth starting pitcher in Cubs history to begin the season with two scoreless outings of six innings or more. Get this one, Dustin. He's allowed one or fewer uh, in seven of the one or fewer runs in seven of the last nine starts, dating, dating back to August 30th. His ERA in that span 167. That to me is an ace. That's an ace. You're right. That, I mean, and we we talked about that a lot last year during the uh, during the podcast. Whether or not he, he was an ace, whether or not he could lead lead a staff, and I'll tell you what, if he continues to build as he was coming off of last year into this year. Yes. He answered the question. Yes, he is an ace. Now, Nathan Evaldi was the losing pitcher, but he did a great job. This was a great pitcher's duel. Bottom of the fourth, Nico Horner, the straw that stirs the drink for the Cubs, singled for the Cubs' first hit of the game. Swanson grounded out to third, but uh, Nico was out at second, but uh, Dansby was safe at first. Ian struck out swinging, but Dansby stole second. Cody Bellinger hit one to right field, and the Cubs were up one nothing. I kept thinking, Dustin, you know, that's one of those things that if the shift was in place and you're talking about a left-handed hitter like Cody Bellinger, I think that would have been an out. Instead, Absolutely right. Out. Great point. Absolutely it would have been. No Most, doubt about it. Right. Goes for a single, and, and so the Cubs are up. And then the bottom of the six, the Cubs hit back-to-back singles by Tucker Barnhart and Nico Horner. Swanson hits into a 5-4 double, three, a double play. But uh, Tucker was able to, uh, you know, was at third with two outs when Ian Happ doubled the center, bounced off the glove of Adolis Garcia. That was a, you know, Cubs got a break on that one, gives them a 2 nothing lead. Lighter and Fulmer come out of the bullpen with Fulmer getting the two-inning save, giving up one hit with four Ks. Um, but, you know, Cody Bellinger hit an RBI single in the fourth, is 5-for-12 with a home run and five RBIs in his last three games after starting the season 0-for-11. That was after Saturday's game, so I know you like that, Dustin. And, yes. uh, Ian, nice Ian bounce Happ, back. Yeah, nice bounce back. And then Ian Happ has hit safely in five of six games this season. So a, a good pitcher's duel. It, it was just an exciting game all around. And, and I can just say that I was there Friday, and I know a lot of people that were there Saturday and even Sunday, and the crowd was – electric all weekend that's what i wanted to ask you how was friday great did you were you in the bleachers friday where were we at yeah i was at the bleachers friday so um it was it was the bleachers were rocking and and like i said stroman stroman kind of you know helps pump that up too so a lot of fun and and, and how many and, uh how many beer bats did you see go by oh there's uh you know what i, I heard they're starting to run low on them so get your beer oh, bats. Really? that's something you're wanting because those are uh, becoming popular souvenir items okay so get them while they're hot here. Now, the second game of the series saw Justin Steele take the mound. He struggled in the first inning again after giving Simeon to ground out. Uh, Corey Seager singled. Nathaniel Lowe walked to put runners at first and second. But he's able to get the next two batters out. In the bottom of the first with one out, Dansby reached on an infield single. Corey Seager threw it away and Swanson advanced to second, then to third on a balk. Ian Happ hit a dribbler to first that allowed Swanson to score, and the Cubs were up one nothing. Now, in the top of the third, Seager let off with a double. Nathaniel Lowe flied out to left, allowing Seager to advance. And then Adolis Garcia walked, and Josh Young hit singled to tie the game at one. 
Cubs retook the lead in the third on a double by Nick Magical and a single by Dansby Swanson to put the Cubs up two to one. Wisdom hit his third home run of the season to make it three to one in the fourth. And then Eric Hosmer drove in two runs in the sixth to score Mancini and Wisdom to make it five to one. But but the play that really got everybody talking, Dustin, was in the seventh inning, right? Uh, Trey Mancini leads off with a single um, to drive in Nico Horner to make it six two in the Cub or I'm sorry, in the eighth inning. And the Cubs, so when they added four in the eighth to make it 10 to three, with two outs, Jan Gomes hit a solo home run. Magical and Horner hit back-to-back singles, and then Swanson walked to loaded the bases for Ian Happ. Now, Ian Happ hits a ball straight up the middle, scoring Magical and Horner, which, you know, Horner's speedy, no doubt about that. But the Rangers center fielder, Adolis Garcia, kind of made a lackadaisical throw to second. Seager bobbled it, and Swanson never stopped running. He scored all the way from first on a single straight to the center fielder. He just beat the tag when he was called safe. He jumps up screaming and pumping his fist. And that's where you could really see Wrigley rocking. But seriously, like what a head up heads up base running play. Yeah. Great on the bases. He's been everything and more. I think Crowley, I couldn't be more pleased with how he has played so far to start his Cubs career. He's been better than advertised. Yeah, they were they were laughing after the game. They they interviewed a bunch of the different players. Patrick Wisdom said the energy is there. We feed off of it. We were doing that in the dugout too. We just know how important runs are in this game, and especially late in the game, you could put the game out of reach. So it's like he doesn't he doesn't take plays off. And 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 Ian Happ was kind of laughing a little bit because you know he hits that single and then he kind of turns back to first base to talk to the first base coach, and all of a sudden out of nowhere, you know this crowd cheers again and, and and the first base coach and uh, Ian turn around and and there's there's Swanson you know sliding in I mean that never should have happened so never should have happened right? that was absolutely great so Steele went six innings and gave up four hits one run four walks and three Ks uh, Keegan Thompson Brad Boxberger and Michael Rucker all came out of the pen Thompson and Rucker each gave up a one but Steele has made a quality start in five of his last six outings but had a seven start streak of five strikeouts or more snapped so strikeouts weren't there but again efficient not giving up runs able to kind of get out of it I wanted to put this tweet up this is something and again talking about Marcus Stroman kind of being the ace here this was a little exchange they had Stroman said Steele and the squad were rocking today great energy in the stands love to see it and Justin Steele replied just following your lead show me the way with a salute emoji and Marcus says, all year, my dog. I mean, you just love that, man. That's just yeah. great. Stuff. It's awesome. Yeah, it's awesome. They, 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 they seem to be a really, a really connected group. They're feeding off of each other. And as you know, the quote there from Wisdom feeding off of the crowd as well. So very cool. And everyone contributed to offense on this game. You know, clearly when you score 10 runs, you know, Trey Mancini had three hits. Horner, Swanson, Wisdom, and Magical each had two hits. Ian Happ drove in three runs, and Wisdom and Jan Gomes hit home runs. Texas committed five errors in the game, and the Cubs took full advantage of them. But I am going to tell you, Dustin, um, I was listening to – I was watching the game on Sunday – and, you know, it, it was Easter Sunday. My mom asked me to run to the store to pick something up that they ran out of or whatever. And I'm listening to uh, Pat and Ron. It was really Zach and Ron. Pat was doing right. TV uh, for Marquee. And the one thing that Coomer said is, I will tell you this, after the sloppy game that the Rangers played on Saturday, he says, Bruce Bochy is going to have his guys ready to play. And they absolutely were. And I thought the Cubs played one of their sloppier games 
on Sunday. Right. I, I'm not a fan as much as I love Trey Mancini. I don't like Mancini in right field. I, I don't know why Patrick Wisdom needed the start of yesterday off. Um, if you're going to have Nick Madrigal in the game, I think have him DH at this point. He's he, he can't make that throw. He, he's having a hard time making that throw from third to first. If it's not very routine, he, he's putting out way too much effort. So there's a couple things you could question David Ross from that lineup on Sunday. Yeah, it just there, there were issues. And, you know, series is in the bag. You're going for the sweep. Jamison Tyone was looking to bounce back from a rough debut. But to me, the offense, the defense, and the bullpen could not help him out. After a first clean inning, Tyone gave up back-to-back one-out singles to Josh Smith and Jonah Heim. This is going to be the story of the game. The bottom of the of the of the lineup for Texas really did damage. Runners at the quarter. Travis Jankowski hit a ground rule double to make it one nothing. Then Bubba Thompson reached on a fielder's choice, and this is what you're talking about. Magical makes a nice play. He snags the ball and then he dives to third. To try to get the, the, to try to get Haim out, but he what he didn't get the out, and then he tried to throw Thompson out. Bubba Thompson's extremely fast, and he threw the ball wide of first. And it, I'm glad you know the first baseman didn't get injured on that one. Very dangerous play. Um, but Haim scores, and runners move up to second and third. I mean, that was one he should have put in his pocket. Plain and simple. Plain and simple. And then uh, Marcus Simeon, this is the other one you're talking about. Marcus Simeon hit one that Trey Mancini, I mean, he looked like he was doing the field sobriety test out there after I go to a Cubs game. I mean, he was just kind of weaving around, totally missed the ball, bounced off his glove, goes behind him, and that ended up scoring Jankowski and Thomas, and that gave the Rangers a 4 to nothing lead. Um, that's not going to count as an error with those two runs coming in, but a halfway decent right fielder makes that play. Yep. Absolutely. All the time. I think Patrick Wisdom makes that play in Absolutely. right field. I agree. And so Edwin Rios made it interesting. He had a two run blast in the bottom of the second, but that would be it for the Cubs on offense in the top of the fourth Jankowski reached on an error by Eric Hosmer. So that was the second error of the game. Again, I, I would have given it a third error with that Mancini play, but uh, Jankowski steals second and Bubba Thompson hits a chopper that goes over the head of magical and the Cubs were down five, two. Now, if you ever seen Nick Magical and Patrick Wisdom standing next to each other, you'll notice a difference. And maybe, again, Wisdom being taller, bigger reach, maybe he makes that play. I'm sorry. I don't want a 5'7", third baseman. It just, you know, doesn't do anything for me. Yeah, again, if you need him in the lineup, then have him DH at this point is my thought. Yep. Javier Assad, who we were so excited about after um, the uh, World Baseball Classic and spring training he had, he came up. He came into the game in the sixth. He gave up two singles, a double, a triple. That puts the game out of reach with the Cubs down eight to two. Um, so Tyone pitched five innings. He gave up six hits, five runs, but only three of them earned one walk and seven Ks. So I felt like, especially like after the first two innings, he really kind of got into a groove. Just the defense really let him down. Uh, yes. Aside, and that can know, have an effect on you out there on the mound, right? I mean, if the defense is playing poorly behind you, you got to you gotta try to block it out. But I get why guys get uh, frazzled by the bad defense behind them. Yeah, Saad went three innings. He gave up four hits, three runs, one walk, and three, uh, three Ks. Merriweather pitched a scoreless inning, but the offense only scored two runs on seven hits. Those two runs coming off the bats of Edwin Rios. Nico had a bad game, uh, unusually bad game offensively. He was 0 for 3, and he hit into two double plays. Swanson was 0 for 4. 
The Cubs were 0 for 4 with runners in scoring position. Uh, the team left six men on base. But, Dustin, you know, I, I keep going back to this idea of right field, and I don't think people understand how difficult it is to play right field at Wrigley Field, to play any of the outfield in Wrigley, to be honest, but right field especially. And and over the years, we've had some fantastic right fielders, whether you're talking about Jason Hayward or whether you're talking about Andre Dawson or just great guys. It is hard with the wind and the sun. It takes a lot of time. You can't just sit there and be like, oh, Trey Mancini, he's played a couple games in outfield in his career. We can put him out there, and especially in April, and think that that's going to be easy. It really isn't. And so that play, and I'm going back to the Miles Mastrobuani play, I want to say against the Brewers, certain things that it's just not easy to get to get that done. And I guess for me, I, I felt that Nelson Velasquez was a guy, if you've been listening to this podcast, he's been a guy that I really, I felt that he never got, when he came up last season, he didn't get the starts that he needed to really kind of get into a groove. And that's why, like I said, I have no problem um, with Morrell down in, in the minors or something like that. It, it, to me, I'm looking at Nelson Velasquez, and he just had the – he was named the minor league player of the week, okay? And so I'm just trying to figure out why this guy who, you know, just didn't get a shot on that one right here. It, that's the thing that I guess just kind of bothered me, is that I would have loved to have seen Nelson Velasquez up there. He has power. He's a good right fielder. I just I thought messing around with this whole Master Buani and trying Mancini. I don't want to see him in right anymore. If it is no, no wisdom, more Mancini, no more Mancini in right field. I appreciate the fact that he's willing to do whatever they ask and play wherever they ask him to go. I I I really appreciate that. He's a wonderful teammate. I'm sure he's great in the clubhouse. But it just it's you got to keep this guy healthy. He does not need to be out there looking awful out in right field. And again, I mean, you need defense. You need you need good defense. That's what this team is built on: is yes. pitching and defense, and not making mistakes on the bases. Uh, playing really like you saw on Saturday, right? Taking advantage of other teams' errors, trying to go from first to third as much as you can. You've seen that a lot this year with the shift gone and a lot more singles. That's what's going to make this team successful. But if you're going to sit there and, like I said, only two errors on 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 the on the box scores, but I definitely say that there were definitely three years in that game. You're, you're, you're going to lose every time. This team doesn't have the offensive firepower to overcome those type of mistakes. And so it's run prevention and bullpen, and, and they, they, that's what prevented them from getting the sweep. And again, Nick Magical, uh, hats off to the guy. I mean, doing everything he can, but you, you, you know, sometimes you just can't, you can't put a square peg in a round hole. You know what I mean? It, it's, He's a second baseman. That's what he is. And he's a guy that's really good at contacting and making hits. And like you said, Dustin, if he's a de designated hitter, fine. I mean, is Edwin Rios that bad of a third baseman that he can't play third? I thought that's what he does. Right. These are questions that need to be asked. I guess we have to stay positive because they did win the their first series of the year. But I think these are very good questions that uh, you and I are both uh, bringing up after what we saw on Sunday. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story. And one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team. This is the Fly the W670 podcast, season two, episode 26, Cubs Rock the Rangers. And in this segment, Crawley interviews Sam Whiterhaft, the play-by-play announcer of the Myrtle Beach Pelicans. Joining me now on the Fly the W podcast, we have the play-by-play announcer for your Myrtle Beach Pelicans, Sam Wiederhoft. How are you doing, Sam? Carly, I'm doing great. Um, back to baseball. I mean, just so exciting to actually be back to it after a long off season, and um, had two really great games in Myrtle Beach. So excited to, to talk about it with you. Yeah, you know, we were talking off the air a little bit. We we just missed each other at, at spring training, but it looked like you had a blast out there. How fun is it for you to kind of see some of the players that you've over the years have come through Myrtle Beach, and 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 how enjoyable is it for you to kind of see where they've progressed to so far? It was for me, I kind of describe it as a really rewarding experience, right? Because you go there and you see all these guys that you've you've broadcasted in the past that have really made improvements throughout their professional careers um, and you just catch up. And there were so many guys that, uh, you know, I'd just be hanging around at batting practice and um, just talking with and figuring out how the offseason was and kind of what they've been working on and how their family's doing and all that. So um, just just really cool how everybody was in one place that, um, you know, I've kind of gotten to know throughout the past two years that I've been. Pelicans announcer and and yeah just the spring training experience in general super fun um everybody was just in a really good mood there were smiles all over the place and uh it was just an unforgettable trip so Mesa is a, is a special place and hopefully get to do it again absolutely so let's talk about last season for a minute here I know we're in 2023 but 2022 was an exciting one for the birds went 47 19 in the first half a lot of exciting victories a lot of talented players second half, you know, and, and this is kind of the hard thing though, is that guys get promoted and, and, you know, the team has to kind of like refocus. They went 31 and 34, but because of the first half, you guys got to face the Charleston river dogs in the postseason. What were your, your favorite memories from last season? As far as looking back at 2022. Oh, Carl, there were so many, man. I mean, you talk about the success, the success in that first half. And when you win that many games, you're right. I mean, that's going to be a lot of promotions. Um, but, you know, I think C&P, Carl Armstrong, Kevin Alcantara, James Triantos, all in the same starting lineup um, is something that, you know, I'll remember, I'll remember for a long time. Uh, I think the favorite memories were our two combined no-hitters that we threw at Pelicans Ballpark. Um, one was on May 1st, Adam Lasky, Jake Rindle, uh, Walker Powell threw that first one against the Columbia Fireflies. And then July 17th, it was five different pitchers against the Fayetteville Woodpeckers. But 
just to call one no hitter uh, in your lifetime is something that I've never thought I'd do. And then to call two uh, within, you know, two and a half months was just awesome. So those were the first two ever thrown at Pelicans ballparks so that had never even happened before. Um, but those were uh, kind of the feathers in my cap from, from last year, but so much success, so many great players came through Myrtle beach last season um, and the wins, especially in that first half really showed for it. Well, it seems like calling no hitters kind of runs in the family business, right? Congratulations, <laughs> right? Your brother got to call on the other day. He did. He did. He did. Um, he did Purdue and Wisconsin softball and the Wisconsin pitcher uh, threw a no hitter. I think it was the 11th in program history. So he got to have a no hitter call. It was awesome. All right. Well, maybe I know we're, we're recording this on Easter Sunday, maybe some bragging rights for the two of you. You could talk about it. That's so right. let's take a look at the 2023 Pelicans, right? So, you know, I kind of trying to, you know, for people that aren't aware of, of, of who's on the team, you know, it's, it's an interesting mix of players here. Uh, I wanted to look at the starters really quick first, right? Uh, you guys played your first game Thursday night. You're on marquee, which mm -hmm. I know how much you guys love playing on marquee. And uh, Grant Kipp was your starter. So Kip pitched at Yale and also in the Cape Cod League. Uh, what can you tell us about Kip? Yeah, Grant was signed as an undrafted free agent um, in August of last year and uh, came to us later that month. So he kind of got right thrown into the fire. He was pitching in the Cape Cod Baseball League in July. And the next thing you know, he's pitching in the in the Carolina League playoffs a few, you know, just a few short weeks later. So he got thrown into the fire. But Grant is a really awesome dude, really nice guy. He's tall. He's got a lot of size to him. So that, you know, traditional starting pitcher build. Um, but you're right, comes out of Yale, threw pretty decent there. Um, he's got a good fastball, really good changeup from what I've seen. Um, in the few starts that he's had with us from the, with the Pelicans last year and this year. Um, you know, the opening night struggled a little bit, um, you know, had some errors in the field, but he kind of kept himself contained, only went about three innings. So those starters are going to be uh, kind of limited, especially early in the season to going uh, short inning starts. But Grant went three innings. Um, we'll see if he gets stretched out longer in his next one. But I like what I've seen from him so far, and, uh, you know, hopefully he gets to improve throughout this year. Another starter that you guys picked up from the Cape Cod League who went on Saturday, I believe, Brody McCullough threw 3.2 innings of scoreless ball. You guys won game two, 13 to one. That was some fire there, huh? Yeah, well, we got a lot of help from the lineup that game, that's for sure. But uh, Brody was great. I mean, he threw three and two thirds, struck out five. And the one thing about Brody, if you look at his college numbers at Wingate Division Two, his strikeout to walk ratio is just unfathomable. I mean, the guy just fills up the zone. His fastball was working. Um, his off-speed pitch was working in his first start this, uh, a couple days ago. So, yeah, he's going to be a fun guy to watch throughout the season. But he just knows how to throw strikes. And that was the thing that, you know, last year you talk about the second half, we kind of, you know, struggled a little bit because we had some new players coming up that were inexperienced. And a lot of the pitchers were struggling with location. Brody was not. Brody came out of the bullpen um, in, I believe, five games in 2022 at the end of that, that year. And uh, was just really consistent. And he showed that again um, just a few days ago in his first start. So really looking forward to what Brody's got in 2023. Now, unfortunately, the game was rained out on Sunday. Did you guys get a, get the probables for that game? Who was supposed to pitch? Yeah, Cade Horton was going to mm. go. Um, it was it was so Saturday got postponed and, and Cade was going to go for that Saturday game. So he got um, he got pushed back in the rotation. Now, I think he's going, uh, I think, Friday or Saturday next week just because of, uh, you know, his preparation. But. Yeah, was really looking forward to seeing him on the mound for the first time. Unfortunately, that's going to happen in Lynchburg now. Um, but, you know, we've heard so much about him. The first round pick by the Cubs, seventh overall, a nasty slider, really broke onto the scene um, in the College World Series last year at Oklahoma. So, yeah, I, I'm excited that we got him, right? And he gets to start his Cubs organization um, tenure in Myrtle Beach. And now it's going to be just seeing how he improves throughout the year.
Yeah, I was talking to your brethren, uh, BK and Max uh, from South Bend, and they were among a group of people. I think Jim Callis was there that went to see, you know, the first pitches that he threw in Arizona. And mm -hmm. just, just I guess, kind of like the electricity in the air when he was throwing those first pitches. Everybody was just kind of watching and stopping what they were doing. So that's got to be really exciting for you. It is. And I just think Cade's story is so interesting, right? You know, a two-way player at Oklahoma. He gets hurt in 2021, doesn't play. Um, and then, you know, just bursts on the scene at the, the Big 12 tournament with that slider that he learned like recently. That becomes a big pitch, makes him a few million dollars. And then now he's here in the Cubs organization and there's just so much electricity that's uh, surrounding him. So, yeah, really excited to see him in a Pelicans uniform. Now, who else do you think is going to fill out the, the, the other spots in the rotation? Who, who's kind of in the mix for that right now? Yeah, so we'll have Nick Hull. Um, Hull was a draft pick in 2022 out of Grand Canyon. So um, he's going to start next week for the first time. And then Michael Arias, who uh, actually came to the to the Cubs as a shortstop. He was an infielder. They converted him to a pitcher a few years back. Um, he came out of the bullpen a few times. Or actually, I think he started one game last year uh, with us at the very end of the year. So back in a Pelicans uniform. Um, and when I was in Mesa around the complex talking uh, with people of the organization. There's a lot of uh, hope with Michael Arias's fastball. Um, he's a high 90s thrower, a lot of velocity, and electric was kind of the word that uh, people used to describe his arm. So we'll see what happens when, uh, when, he, when he comes out for his first start. Now, I would say as far as the infield concerned, everybody knows the big name being Christian Hernandez at short. He was uh 10th-ranked prospect right now for the Cubs, 2021 international free agent, you know, this is going to be kind of the, you know, obviously not Arizona fall. I mean, the Arizona league that you have, but this is really going to be kind of interesting to see how Christian does. Uh, I know how difficult it is. And, you know, pitching kind of dominates as far as in, in uh, Myrtle Beach, as far as your league is concerned. But how excited are you to kind of get to see Christian Hernandez? I'm looking forward to just seeing him improve. Right. I mean, it's, uh, you know, didn't hit great in the Arizona complex league last year. His numbers aren't great. But I mean, with Arizona, you can't really look at numbers because there's just so many factors that go into the ACL and guys are working on different things. It's just a totally different ball game out there, but yeah, Christian playing with fans in the ballpark, playing under lights really for the first time ever in his career, it's going to be a little bit of an adjustment. He's a really young guy, just 19 years old. So a lot to learn from him. Um, he did get his first hit in his second game on, uh, on Friday. So got to see that contact a little bit, made a great throw over at short. So his first game, he struggled, had two, uh, throwing errors and then comes back on Friday and then makes a backhanded play, throws to first, shows off that arm and just kind of got the stadium talking about him. So, yeah, just just to see the way that he improves and kind of learns things throughout the year is going to be something that's uh, intriguing for us to see. Another guy that, that Cup fans are familiar with, Reggie Preciado, he was involved in the uh, U Darvish trade. He was with you guys last year, but had some knee injuries. So he's going to start out in Myrtle Beach this year. But uh, you know, whenever you have a, a guy that's traded, you know, like for a U Darvish type, you know, there's always some interest in what he can do. There is. Um, and I think we've had every single prospect uh, in that U Darvish trade. Owen Casey, uh, Yeas and Santana, Preciado all come through Myrtle Beach. But uh, yeah, Preciado has really, really improved uh, in spring training in the offseason. He spent the entire offseason in Mesa. He said he went home for a little bit for Christmas, but the rest of it, he was in Arizona just working and trying to get better. That first year, just swung and missed too much. He was chasing balls out of the zone, um, which is typical for a player his age and um, the experience level he had. But he played. He started at third base. Um, so he didn't play any third base last year for us. Starts at third base on opening night, has a great game, um, almost hits his first home run of the year. But the swing is looking just totally different. He's looking a lot more confident. 
Um, and just talking to him, he just feels a lot better about what the season's going to hold. And um, the work that he put in in Arizona in the offseason is looking like it's going to pay off this year. And, and Pedro Ramirez then would probably take second base for the most part? Yeah, yeah. Pedro, uh, he started at second base the past two games. And uh, he's a guy that came to us at the very end of last year, played 10 games. But uh, the numbers that you saw, I mean, he had 41 at-bats and only struck out six times. And he was 18 years old in Myrtle Beach. So just incredibly mature at the plate. And he's gotten off to a great start. Back-to-back two-hit games in the first two games of 2023. Um, and talking with our manager, Buddy Bailey, he's a, a Pedro's a player that people are really, really looking forward to. And there's a lot of uh, a lot of hope in that bat. He's He's got really good contact skills and um, just a great fielder at second base, too. And then uh, at first, you, you got a guy that has a little bit of pop in Felix Stevens. That, that to me, is something I just want to kind of you know really be paying attention to. Yeah, Felix is a big guy. I mean, just a ton of size. I think he's 6'5 or 6'6 at this point. Um, hit 11 home runs for us last year. That was tied for third on the team. And uh, Felix just goes the other way a lot with his power, which I think is really, really impressive. I think more than half of his home runs last year went to right field. So he's got power. He can do it from wherever. Um, and he'll be at first base. But we also saw Moises Ballesteros, who uh, is, you know, used to used to catching. He played first base for us on Friday night for the first game in, I believe, two years when he was playing in the Dominican Summer League. So Ballesteros could get some time at that corner infield spot as well. And he's got a ton of pop in that bat, uh, too. And there's a lot of uh, a lot of hope in what he can do for this year as well. He's a very exciting player. But I think Felix will get a majority of those reps at first uh, in 2023. Yeah, you talked about Moises, so he's probably going to be the primary catcher and a lot of fun. But then, then you have Miguel Pabon, who's converted infielder and going to try his luck out at the catching position. What, what did you see from the other day? Did he start the other day on uh, was it yeah. Friday? He started on Friday, and uh, you're right. So for, for Pabon, this is his first season as a full-time catcher. He began that transition last year in the Arizona Complex League, and now he's full-time catching and just made two incredible catches behind the plate um, in his first game at catcher in a Pelicans uniform. One was directly behind the plate, right in front of the screen, and he jumped to his left side to make the catch. The other one was right by the steps of the Charleston Riverdogs dugout down the third baseline. He's right by the uh, the railing and just makes a great catch there. So a very good first impression. Buddy Bailey, who was a former catcher, now our, now our manager and a longtime minor league manager, had a lot of great things to say about Miguel. Um, he thinks that Miguel's got a manager's future in, uh, in his future himself. Um, but, yeah, I think Miguel's a great guy. I've talked to him a lot. Um, in the past couple of days and just had a great first impression behind the plate. Well, that's, that's high praise coming from a guy like Buddy Bailey. So that's right uh, in the outfield, Christian Franklin will be manning center field then. Yeah. Christian's been in center field uh, for two games. We also have Parker Chabers. Uh, he's a former coastal Carolina Shauna clear, which is really cool. He went to college about 20 minutes away from, from Pelicans ballpark, but he got some reps in center field a little bit last year. He was also in left a little bit um, as well, but Parker was the DH on Friday and his first start but yeah, Christian Franklin, a 2021 draft pick, was out in 2022 with an injury. So excited to see him back. He's also made a lot of improvements um, and just a really quick player. I mean, he can cover a lot of ground in center field. So he's an exciting, exciting player to watch. And then Andy Gariola, he's in left field. Six RBIs in Saturday's game. He went off. Yeah, hello, Gariola, right? I mean, just <laughs> what a what a start in 2023. He, well, I mean, he was close to eight because he almost had two grand slams. His first at bat. In the first inning, um, bases loaded, hits a double, but it hit off the very top of that wall in right center field. So that was close. And then he comes up in the fourth and knocks a grand slam, just a line drive to left field. Um, opening night, he had a great catch, uh, moving, jumping forward in left field to make the play. He's also stolen a base. So 
I, I mean, I can't say enough about what Gary Ola's done the first two games and just uh, he's setting the bar pretty high for what's going to happen this year in left field. That's for sure. But a really big player brings a ton of size, a lot of power and uh, just yeah, you can't start the year any better than that. And what about Jefferson Encarnacion? Looks like he's going to get the majority of the playing time in right field. Yeah, that's kind of what it's looking like um, in the first two games. Jefferson played his first game since 2019 on opening night uh, on Thursday night this past week. He's dealt with just injuries galore, obviously the COVID season, but he's just excited to get back on the field. Um, He was a Rule 5 selection from the Phillies organization this past year. So Encarnacion had a big game um, on Friday night. The whole lineup really had a big game, but Encarnacion, a multi-hit game with a triple in there as well. So, um, yeah, we'll we'll see what he does in right field for the Pelicans this year. Now, what, what about out of the bullpen? Is there anybody that you've been kind of watching that you're like, oh, my God, man, that guy's throwing some heat or really impressive stuff so far? Yeah, um, we've had a couple of impressive arms. Marino Santi kind of comes to comes to mind. He threw three innings on opening night, a really young pitcher, but three innings out of the bullpen, and his curveball just looked incredible. And you look at Santi's numbers um, in the Dominican Summer League, the Arizona Complex League, it's, it's pretty clear, clear that he struggled with location, but – that was not the case in his very first sing, single leg game on opening night a few nights ago. So Santi came out of the bullpen, uh, was really good. We also had Kevin Valdez come out of the bullpen on Friday night. Um, and just the velocity was there. He threw three innings and got the win um, in that game as well. Angel Gonzalez was a Pelican last year, had a ton of appearances. Um, he's back with the Pelicans this year. I mean, that, the fastball was hitting 97, 98 in his first bullpen appearance of the season, which is great to see. So, those are a few names um, we've seen. I believe three bullpen pitchers come out of the bullpen uh, in the first two games, so still, still a few more guys to go. Um, but it's looking like a pretty good, uh, a pretty good mix on the pitching staff of experience with also some some young fresh talent as well. So uh, just looking looking forward to what's you know seeing what they can do. So I was, you know, when I was in spring training, I like to kind of hang out in the backfields a little bit and just kind of, you know, talk to some people and see what's going on. A lot of, a lot of smart people out in the backfields. Yeah. I do a double take. I'm like, what is Christopher Morrell doing in the backfields? And it turns out that he, it was his brother, Raphael. And then, oh my God, do those guys look alike, but it seems like they're also both infielders and outfielders that can play multiple positions. Yeah, we'll see where Morel's going to go. I mean, he was uh, he was the DH for our first game and then at third base um, in the second game. But, I mean, you're you're right, dude. They're just <laughs> identical, right? They got the same smile. Like, it's really cool to see. Um, but, yeah, you know, he, he might he might be filling a few a few spots for us this year. Uh, had a pretty solid game on uh, on Friday night with the rest of the lineup. So, it's always cool when you get a, a big leaguer's brother on your, on your team, that's for sure. And, and and so one thing I do want to tell all our listeners, and I, I don't know, you know, I'm a season ticket holder for the Cubs. And because of that, this is the first time that they're doing this this year. Any season ticket holder gets the MLB TV package. And for the first time, you get all the minor league games. So that, you know, is just really a great perk for being a season ticket holder. But if you don't have MLB TV, just kind of something to kick around because, the Cubs minor leagues, you know, are just so interesting right now. You know, if you're somebody that really loves baseball, you know, especially with 120 games with the Cubs or whatever, you can always kind of catch the Pelican games or Iowa or South Bend or, you know, just all, all the teams. It's just a lot of fun. It is. Um, and what the Cubs slogan is, uh, next starts here, right? So we're kind of taking that in Myrtle Beach. Next starts here um, because you're watching these guys really make their Cubs organization debut for a lot of them. Um, in a Pelicans uniform. And I just think it's great. Um, the, the whole package is, 
is really cool. And, uh, you know, I find myself hopping around minor league games every once in a while. I, I watch Iowa pretty often because Iowa plays a lot of day games. Um, so I'll be watching Alex Cohen and, and the I-Cubs uh, quite a bit this year. But, yeah, just more exposure for these guys, the better. Obviously, going on the Marquee Sports Network, we love doing that and uh, showcasing these young top prospects to to the Cubs fandom. But, yeah, just, just love getting these guys on the screen and uh, just making their Cubs organization debut and introducing them to Cubs fans. One of the, you know, one thing that Marky also offers is the road to Wrigley, which is kind of, if you tune in usually on Fridays, I believe, uh, Lance Brozdowski and I think Elise Menneker, you know, they have, they literally just kind of go in and out of the game. So it's kind of, you know, I think they took the idea from the NFL, but hell, who cares? It works, right? It's, Such, it's, a cool <laughs> Such a cool show. Such a cool show. I I have no I have no, it's, I just have such high praise for that show because I, I that the first one was on Friday and they sent me the full thing. So I watched a, a good amount of it. And I mean, there's a quad box where you could watch every single Cubs affiliate and um, you know, they're hopping in, they're doing analysis. Lance knows everything about every single player. Elise Menneker is great. They had Jim Callis on as well. Um, so if you really want to be well-versed in the Cubs farm system, that show is, is, is what's for you. And they're doing that a lot this year. So uh, we were a part of it on Friday night. Um, we got Gary Ola's Grand Slam was was on there. Parker Chambers, the first home run of 2023, that was on there. Um, so yeah, just a, just a really cool show, and Marquis does a great job with it. And, and not only that, you got like the quad box going, but if something big is happening, say you know at, at wherever, they just focus on the one box for a second, and just yeah. you, maybe you come in and you catch an at bat, you know, and and uh, you know maybe it is a Christian Hernandez amazing player maybe you know who who you know maybe it's a Brennan Davis home run that they will they will focus on the one box and 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 that's what I like it just kind of moves in and out and whips you around and you know you're not just watching one game you get to see a lot of different players at a lot of different levels of baseball you know well somebody tweeted and said um I got Kevin Alcantara at bat on the right side I got Pete Crow Armstrong at bat on the <laughs> left side like that it doesn't get much better than that so yeah absolutely love what uh, what Marquis doing well, Sam, you know, you know, everyone that I've talked to lately, I've been talking to a lot of people and I, we just had a Justin Steele party uh, at Club 400 and I was talking to Justin Steele's family and I was talking to Kyle Hendricks's family and every single person I talked to, like when I mentioned Myrtle Beach, just gets like a big smile on your face, on their faces. You guys have, you guys do a great job down there and, and you always got like a lot of fun promotions, you know, and stuff for the families and just great deals, you know, like. I mean, come on, Taco Tuesdays and $3 Tall Boys, I'll take that any day of the week, you know? No, so will I. I mean, we just try and make it fun. Myrtle Beach is a fun city, and we try and encapsulate that in our game day experience. Um, yeah, I mean, when I was back in Mesa, I talked to Ian Happ, I talked to David Bodie, and just reflecting on Myrtle Beach, and they just loved it. Um, I actually talked with Ethan Roberts as well, and he called it uh, the party at the beach. So <laughs> the, players, the players love stopping in Myrtle Beach, um, and we love it too. I mean, we just – we have a lot of fun at these games and uh, Crawley, a few, a few months from now, you'll get to experience it uh, as well. I absolutely cannot wait. It is circled. I actually, this is a true story. I have a countdown on my phone so that I am literally counting the days, minutes and hours before I, there, there it is right there. There, there, there's the yeah. countdown. So the clock is going down, man. I am absolutely stoked. It should be fun. And not only that, you guys do a great job with social media. You know, some teams are a little slow to embrace it. Not you guys. Where would you say that people can kind of follow you and the team on social media so that they can kind of keep up with everything you guys got going on? Yeah, no. So personally, I'm Sam underscore Weederhaft on Twitter. Um, I'm at Weederhaft on Instagram, always posting stuff about the Pelicans and, and promoting our players. Twitter for the Pelicans is at Pelican Baseball. Instagram at Pelicans Baseball. TikTok, 
MB Pelicans. We've been really good on TikTok. I we have a great a great team, a great front front office staff that runs runs that stuff, and um, you know, that that's kind of where the exposure comes comes from. They just do an awesome job with that. So um, I've even been doing TikTok dances on the Myrtle Beach Pelicans TikTok. So if you want to see that, that's on there. Um, we're on Facebook as well, Myrtle Beach Pelicans, kind of all over the place, but. Uh, just trying to give fans as much content about these players as possible and then having a little bit of fun as well. I will tell you, your dance moves impressed me very much, Sam. Um, I appreciate you coming yeah. out here, bud. Always fun talking some baseball and, and looking forward to seeing a lot of fun in the sun out in Myrtle Beach and, hopefully, and like I said, getting out there pretty soon. Yes, sir, me too. I'm looking forward to it, Crawley. Thanks for having me on. Happy Easter, man. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You are listening to the Fly the W670 podcast. This is segment three, standings, rosters, and a preview for you guys. Don't forget to listen, download, review, and most importantly, subscribe to the Fly the W podcast. So, Crowley, after uh, eight games, there, where exactly are our Cubs? Taking a look right here, you got the Brewers in first place at seven and two. How about the surprising Pittsburgh Pirates? Didn't they take two or three from our White Sox uh, south side over there? Cubs and the Reds, four of four. I would have loved for them to get that one game in, but I'm, I'll digress. How about this, Dustin? St. Louis, three and six, still early, but that's very surprising. I, I am surprised that they are three and six, but you know, sometimes maybe the coach, the manager, the, the message, he might already have a little bit of a uh, of a revolt on his hands down there, getting a little, uh, you know, getting after his guys the way he did. Maybe they didn't appreciate that. We'll have to wait and see. Hopefully, hopefully, they are all screwed up. Yep. And hey, no problem. You know, and, and Tyler O'Neill, you know, I'd love to see him on a different team and not on the, on the Cardinals. So we'll see what happens on that. As far as the injury report is concerned, Kyle Hendricks is slated to throw live batting practice in the team's facility in Arizona on Monday. So one step closer, say a Suzuki. We've been talking about this situation in right field. Uh, both him and Brandon Hughes were, uh, playing out in Iowa. So that, that was great to see. Say played his first game on Saturday. He singled in his first at bat, hit an RBI sack fly, drew a walk, and he played right field. On Sunday, Saya DH'd and popped out in the first, struck out in the third, grounded out in the fifth, and then hit a single in the seventh. So he's got a couple hits and a sack fly. Still just getting his timing down. I, I don't think there's any I, – I, when they tell me he's ready, I'll believe he's ready. Don't want to rush this. I want this to be right. I don't want to see Saya back on the on the IL again. No, but they gotta they gotta be smarter, Crawley, as we talked about earlier in the podcast, exactly what they're doing with right field in his absence. And I think Christopher Morell would look awfully good out there right now. 
Uh, the, the thing we talked about with Morel, and, and, and I encourage if, if any of the listeners didn't listen to Andy Martinez, he did a phenomenal article for Marquee the other day talking about Morel. It's easy to say bring Morel up, but the reason he's not is not because of his defense as much as things that he has to improve on in hitting. And, and the numbers that Andy had in his article of after that 24-game on-base streak by Morel, he really, really struggled in the second half of the season last year. And part of it may have been not getting consistent at bats even then. But I, I, like I said, Nelson Velasquez is a guy I think would have been a much better option than Chris Morrell in right field. I think I want, I, there's nobody that wants Chris Morrell up here, but I want him up here for good. I want him up here as a permanent third baseman, um, you know, in, in the near future. And I, I think that to do that, he has to be more successful. The strikeouts are just too much compared to, he doesn't give you enough power to justify the strikeouts. So when you look at Patrick Wisdom, he has a lot of strikeouts, but he's also going to hit you 25, 30 home runs. And Christopher Morrell didn't show that last season. So let him get better without forcing the issue. You do have other guys other than that, Nelson Velasquez being the one I think that should have done that. But I think at this point in time, there's no point in making a move because I don't see Saya being out of the lineup much longer. I would say maybe three, four games tops. That's absolute tops before Sayers back in Chicago. All right. Good to know. We'll take that. Um, you know, it's good to see that he's out in Iowa doing his thing and, uh, you know, take, bring him along slowly. That's fine. Just, just right field scares me a little bit right now. All right. So we've got, <laughs> and, uh, we got uh, Brandon Hughes did make his first start on Saturday as well. Remember good. Cubs do not have a left-hander in the bullpen. This was the guy that they were kind of depending on him and Mark Leiter. Leiter's a righty, but has great numbers against lefties. But, you know, he pitched one inning. He gave up two hits a walk, got a strikeout. I mean, you had the bases loaded, but he had the strikeout and a double play to get out of the inning. But Brandon Hughes is a guy that I think really he, – he's not somebody that comes to, you know, to your mind right away, but I think he's an integral part of this bullpen, and they really need him to be, to be looking good and ready to play. No doubt about it. I think you're 100% spot on about Brandon Hughes with that one, Crowley. All right, so today the Mariners coming into Wrigley Field, uh, three games set, and uh, you're going to be there tonight, right? Yep, I will be at uh, Wrigley Field. I'm very excited. I'll be in my seats over on the uh, left field side, first row. Um, so, you know, I was, uh, you know, sometimes you kind of like try to figure out the games based on the rotation. I was hoping to get a Wesniski start. Unfortunately, the rain out means I get a smiley start, but uh, we'll take it. Um, the Mariners did get off to a slow start. They're four and six right now after, you know, making the postseason last year, but they just took two out of three from the Cleveland guardians this weekend. They almost swept. They lost an extra inning game on Sunday. Good thing is that the Cubs took two out of three against the Rangers. So, um, you know, both teams having a good weekend. So, you know, let's see what gives here, right? Let's see what gives. Let's uh, hopefully another, uh, another series win. But I think, uh, tonight's a very important game and an important start for Drew Smiley. Yeah, you know, trying to bounce back from an awful start last time against the Reds. He went 4.2 innings. He gave up six runs on nine hits, two walks, only three strikeouts. So, I mean, this is a guy that, you know, the Cubs are really focusing on. To me, on paper, he looks like a great fourth starter. You know, just, okay, let's throw out spring training numbers because they don't mean anything. But it does make you worry when all of a sudden, okay, now it's not spring training and the numbers look exactly like they did for Drew, which isn't that good. Yeah, not, not not good, not not nearly good enough. I mean, that's the bottom line. Not nearly good enough. 
Right. He's going to have to do better than 4.2 innings and six runs, especially because on the other side, you have Luis Castillo on the bump for the Mariners. Uh, We all remember Luis Castillo. Remember Seattle made a huge trade last season uh, with the Cincinnati Reds. So you're going to see a lot of familiar names on the Seattle team. And, uh, you know, hopefully, you know, the Cubs can get to Luis Castillo. But he started two games, and just like Stroman, he hasn't given up a run in 11.2 innings and has struck out 12 batters. Now, the Cubs have some experience against Castillo, especially Ian Happ. He has 25 at-bats and has hit 320 against uh, Castillo, so that's a good thing. Uh, Eric Hosmer has 16 at-bats, hit 625. Nico Horner, nowhere near as much, uh, six at bats, 667. And I'm looking at Swanson with 11 at bats, 273, which is still a pretty decent average over, you know, those uh, amount of bats. So, you know, looks so, pretty promising on paper, Crowley. Now they just got to go out and execute, right? Right. Now, as far as Seattle versus Drew Smiley, not a lot of guys have too much experience, too many at bats against them. But, you know, I, I look at this, you know, Teoscar Hernandez is a really good hitter. Old friend Tommy LaStella. Uh, only four bats, but of course hitting 500 because that's what Tommy LaStella does, right? He falls out of bed and hits 500, so that's 3 a.m. Tommy. 3 a.m. Tommy is uh, is the old manager nicknamed him very famously. Yeah. And so Tuesday night, that'll be the Hayden Wesniski start. Uh, he went 4.2 innings, gave up six hits, three runs, two walks, four Ks versus the Reds. I got a feeling he's he's going to be fired up to get back out there and show show the Cub fans what he has. Uh, he didn't get the loss. Luckily, the Cubs' offense took him off the hook for that one. But but you know he was frustrated. He was happy with the win, but frustrated with the start. So I think that that is going to be a good one. The other uh, thing that Wesniski has in his favor is that no Mariner has ever seen him pitch, at least at the major league level. So sure. nobody has any at bats against him. So. Advantage Cubs on that one. The Mariners are going to counter with Chris Flexen, who's 0-1 on the season, but has pitched really well. And his first start against the Angels went five innings pitch and gave up two hits and two runs and took the loss. And in the next game against the Guardians, he went four innings pitch and gave up one run on four hits for a no decision. The Cubs have a little bit of experience against Flexen, not much. Looking at it right here, Hosmer had five at-bats, hit 400 against him, and Mancini six at-bats, 333. Swanson and Ford bats 500. So small sample size, but, but really kind of looking, uh, you know, try to, at least they have something against them as opposed to Seattle who hasn't seen uh, Hayden at all. Yep, absolutely. And then we've got the, uh, the final on Wednesday, right? Final on on Wednesday and Marcus Stroman takes the ball. We talked earlier about how great Marcus has done 12 innings against the Brewers and Rangers and has given up zero runs. Seattle is countering with Logan Gilbert, a young righty who hasn't given up a ton of runs. He started two games so far, ironically, both of them against the Cleveland Guardians. First time he went six innings pitch and gave up a run on four hits, while the second time he went four innings and gave up three runs and six hits. So, you know, I'm just kind of looking at this here. When we look at Seattle versus Stroman, the only one that has a lot of at-bats versus Stroh is uh, what Tommy LaStella has, 12 at-bats and hits 250, which nothing that great. And then I don't know if who, who can do the best uh, Pat Hughes, Eugenio Suarez impersonation, but Eugenio Suarez is on the team, 13 at bats, 231. But you know me, man, I get, I get, I get paranoid about cub killers and Eugenio Suarez was always someone that gave the Cubs fits. Yep, absolutely. He has. All right. So uh quick prediction on this one, Crowley, um, 
two out of three, one out of three. What, what are you thinking? This one's a tough one. I, I think these, I think, I believe this is going to be a competitive series. I'm going to stay positive and say that the Cubs are going to bounce back from a bad start. And I'm really, like I said, hoping to see the best defensive lineup that I could see out there. But I would say that I would go with the Cubs taking two of three would be what I would say. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. I believe two out of three and a little uh, meatloaf for the uh, Cubbies as the uh, Mariners will exit town. All right, Crowley, who's hot, who's not? All right, looking at who's hot, who's not. Ian Happ, six for 15 with two doubles and five RBIs in the last seven days. Nico Horner, seven for 18, one double, five runs. I know he had a bad game on Sunday. Let's hope that he kind of picks it up. Uh, Dansby Swanson starting to kind of come down to earth. He was absolutely on a tear. He was He's two for 15 uh, with no extra base hits in the last week. So let's hope Dansby can kind of get hot. He's still playing good Ds, good on the bases. I'm not, I'm not going to worry yet. No, and and that's and and what you're saying is, and also the intangibles. But just when you look at him on defense, it's absolutely the the amount of plays, the amount of runs that he saves, the amount of pitches he saves the pitchers. It's just so so key, so vital. And so you know, you you just like to see him kind of get back to you know, he was swinging the ball bat really well early on. Let's see him kind of get back there, right? All right, the Mariners. Who's the uh, hot and who's cold for them? Oh, you said Eugenio Suarez. I knew it. He, he he saw the Cubs on the schedule, started licking his lips, started heating up. He's nine for 22 with four RBIs in the last week. Ty Francis is uh, seven for 22 with three doubles and six runs. On the not side for them, though, Mr. Uh, Fantasy Football, I'm going to punch you, Colton Wong. Is <laughs> one for 14 with four Ks. So um, he's another guy that's given the Cubs pitching, you know, fits in the past, you know, in the past, but that is the past. Let's hope that I I, I like the fact, you know, I'm a little nervous about tonight. Like I said, I'm going for the game. I've been to three Cubs games, two in Chicago, one with the Iowa Cubs. I'm three and oh, but, but, you know, putting it on the line here for uh, Drew Smiley. So I'm hoping he really comes through clutch for me. Well, I hope they uh, win for you, and I hope uh, they win for everybody else. So we've got uh, you and I both think they'll take two of three in this one. Crawley, enjoy the time out at Wrigley Field tonight. That's a wrap. Don't forget to listen, download, review, subscribe to the Fly the W podcast. Follow the socials, Fly the W on Facebook, Fly the W670, Instagram. You can email us, flythew670gmail.com. And now you can watch us on YouTube by subscribing to the 670 The Score YouTube channel. Again, Crowley, enjoy the game tonight. Get us a W, and uh, we'll be back uh, midweek talking Cubs. Absolutely. And if you're listening to the game, listening to Pat and Ron on 670 The Score, and you hear someone say, Go Cubs! You know that's me. It's all over.